Well, how are we doing today? Welcome to uh, our Beers in the Back recording. We are going to kick around. Yep. Today we are featuring uh, Sam Adams' Oktoberfest in the uh, Waterloo office. There we go. Um, got our SEP uh, 1 quarterly stocks report today. Got our small grain summary. Um, I will probably allow Scott and Bill to talk about that since they typically don't care about wheat. Uh, um, I guess we'll just jump in here. I, I think when you look at the stocks numbers first, I think the primary thing, at least as far as uh, causing market price movements, was that that bean stocks number. Now, the trade was looking for 242 million bushels of stocks, which, by the way, is our official ending stocks for last year and our official beginning stocks this year. And, and I think the bearish price action wasn't because the miss was very big, but I think we saw exactly the same thing when we got the September WASDE. In other words, the soybean balance sheet is forecast to be so tight this year that we just can't afford to lose any bushels. And I think the most bearish thing about the September WASDE report and about this stock's number, because you saw the whole soy complex go down after the report came out, is, is it was a little bit bearish, but more than anything, it's just, it's almost bearish if it isn't bullish because the market's building risk premium in because we literally, with the ending stock's number that the USGA is forecasting and what Bill's forecasting, we just don't have enough extra. We're right there at that, close to that 5% of use type number. Um, you know, and remember, I always remind people, 5% of a 52-week year is about two and a half weeks worth of beans, and that's at the beginning of September, and we typically don't start harvesting till the last half of September. So 5% out. is out, pretty yeah, much, yeah. is out. So do you see it a whole lot different than that, Bill, the stock side of it? No, I, I guess the theory is that they um... – adjust the stocks so that their residual is near zero and they did that again this year it looked like um with the changes to the uh, stocks as well as the crop so we'll end up with a residual near zero so i don't put a lot of stock in that it just kind of tells you you're pretty much bare bone dry um in terms of stocks that the just kind of a side note the, whatever that stocks is at the end of the year it's relative to a very slow usage time of the year. So it looks like it only lasts about two and a half weeks, but it probably lasts about five weeks because we're not almost not exporting anything. Uh, right. That, I guess that 5% of use is 5% of the use for the whole year. And your point is, is you're not really using them very fast in September. Just crushing no, almost no exports. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's a correct. good point. That's a good call out. You say they adjusted the crop. Yeah. They adjusted I didn't the, see uh, that. I'm kind of a top line guy. What did that say? That was down 13 million bushels. They took it for the final 2022 crop, final, final, from 4276 to 4263. So we made two adjustments, and that ends up shrinking your residual to near zero, which seems to be almost their goal sometimes. It's it's a lot of inside baseball, I guess. It It ends up we have... 268 million bushels and with the kind of demand and supply we have in 23 24 we can completely focus on that now okay 268 the number coming in and uh, uh all the your figure and the usda's figures right that's going to leave us um actually about in the same spot at the end of this crop year that we just started maybe even a little bit tighter than that but pretty snug do you see anything in the corn numbers at all um so, you know um if anything that was the one that was a little bit 
friendly. They took the crop down slightly. Um, I believe 15 million bushels, if I recall right. Not not a whole great deal of change there, and they usually don't. And the stocks came in on the light side by almost 90 million bushels. So, um, you know, that doesn't 90 million bushels doesn't hurt us when we're going taking ending stocks up. Uh, six or seven, eight hundred million bushels year over year, so a little bit of an adjustment there, but not um, um, a, a great deal. Yeah, technically below the average trade estimate, but uh, the reality of the situation is we got plenty of corn, so it's not as big a deal. I think the beans were where uh, the big worry is. Um, we got a lot of information on wheat. Uh, we not only got our stocks report, which looks to be pretty close to what the trade was looking for, but when you look at the new crop, Scott, why don't you kind of what, give us your analysis well, on what we got on wheat? Yeah, I, I would first uh, like to ask Bill a little bit. Um, you're right. Stocks came in um, just a skosh higher than what was expected, seven, uh, seven million bushels, um, pretty much right in line with where we were last year at the same time um, at 1.779. My question to Bill would be our, our first quarter disappearance for wheat, because that was the first quarter for the wheat marketing year, mm -hmm. was 614 million, 8% um, up year over year. Um, where's that going? I mean, certainly our, our exports are, are down, whatever, 14, 15% um, uh, at, at this point of the year compared to where we were a year ago. I don't think we're feeding it. So well, I wouldn't think so at these prices, would you? Uh, it's got to be going somewhere. What, what's your What's your take on that, Bill? Um. So why did we end up with um, stocks about where stocks about where the trade expected? Um, even though we had quite a bit bigger crop, we increased the crop um, substantially, and it and it went into usage we kind of know the exports and the mill grind so it showed up as a big feed and residual probably mostly residual you you get a larger residual when you have a big crop and soft red we do um the other numbers were fairly big i mean you could argue that with this number usda was at 90 million on feed and residual last time they could raise it up to 120 million bushels it makes no sense that we would be feeding wheat because we really didn't have to. So I think it all falls into the residual. I think that to me, the important thing is that US, anybody, including USDA, has a harder time measuring a quantity of wheat or any commodity while it's in the field and has an easier time when it's in a bin. So I trust the stocks number more than I do um, the production number. I wouldn't fade the stocks number because that looks like it's about the same and we may be getting a um, false signal in the market today, being so bearish based on the, the bigger crop. Yeah, and, and and again, back to your point about the 614 then this first quarter, it ends up being more of a slush and a, and a residual, right? Yes. From last year's um, uh, crop, so. Well, I tell you what, I wish the IRS had let me do a residual. Yeah. I not to pay taxes on that money. I don't know what it did with. <laughs> that um, I can't account for as as far as the production goes, um, I don't know. I, I I think maybe the marketplace sees it as a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, uh, depending on who you talk to, and and if you've been listening to us 
uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been saying it. I know Bill has been saying it, that we were both uh, believing that uh, certainly the spring wheat numbers would be higher, and that's what ended up happening. The total crop was 1.811 billion bushels. That's um, up from the September WASD, which was 1.734, 10% higher than it was a year ago. Um, how did we get there? Well, the yield uh, was up, uh, went to 48.6 bushels to the acre. That's up 2.8 bushels to the acre versus the September WASD. It's up, uh, uh, you know, 2.1 versus what it was a year ago. Now, they did take the harvested acres down a little bit. That's not terribly um, uh, surprising, I guess, uh, given, you know, how dry it was in certain areas this year. And, you know, we did hear a lot of abandonment in Kansas and, and uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and some places. So the harvested acres were, were down 600,000, uh, but it actually was higher than what it was a year ago, year over year. Now, when you look at the by class, um, we did get a little bit more hard red winter wheat. We went from 585 to 601. We did get just a little bit more soft wheat. We went from 440 to 449, so another 9 million bushels there. The white wheat was actually, white winter, by the way, was actually down five. But then when you get to the spring, when you, when you take the whole category of other spring, and that's the way Uncle Sam rolls it out to us on these, these deals, other spring is hard red spring as well as the white spring and um, the, the hard white spring and the soft white spring wheat. And they roll those all together, uh, anything that's not Durham. And that ends up being 505. When you split out the spring wheat by itself, hard red spring wheat, um, it was up about 18, um, no check that. Was this the US, that's last year's. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. September was. That Bill's was giving September you hand signals, Wazzy. Scott. He's giving you hand signals. Yeah, four, <laughs> 450, right? 450 in the September WASD, uh, actually the August WASD, and we went up to 468. So it's, you know, it's a little bit better there. Um, the Durham went up to from 57 to 59, wish it was a little better than that, but. All in all, we uh, had a, a bigger crop, um, and and again, maybe uh, uh, because it was 90-something million bushels uh, uh, bigger than what the trade was was looking for, um, maybe that's why we got the, the big downside on, on that as well. Okay, um, Scott, so that was this yeah. last year, and I'm not a wheat person at all. I'm kind of like Dave. I'm still a novice when it comes to wheat, and I look to your professional wheat knowledge. Um, what part of the reason that wheat was up, right, was because we had the, you know, it was there, there was an incentive for guys to plant wheat last year, right? That's is that with the whole Ukraine deal? Was that was that part of the reason? Why was why didn't we have this increase in wheat? Sure. I think we saw a lot of that. The price signal certainly said plant more wheat acres last year. So what's going to uh, happen for this coming year then? We're going to see a repeat or what's going to happen? Well, I don't think we see a repeat. I think in places we'll see some more acres. I think we'll still see some more hardweed acres. I'm not buying that we're going to uh, – I've read some things uh, talking about 4 to 5% increase in acres this, this fall on winter wheat. Sounds like I, a lot. It sounds like a, a whole big lot, uh, certainly on soft wheat. I don't know that we need a much more soft wheat acres. Um, 
but you know, one to two percent, I think, would be a, a a good place, a good safe bet, shall we say? Not sure where Bill's at on that, but that's kind of what he's, I would. Bill has, Bill has that grin on his face, say. like like he's questioning something. I'm, he I was hoping my it. I was hoping my camera would go away because I I I don't I really don't know. I wouldn't bet against that. I'm kind of thinking down a couple percent, but you know, we're, wow. compared to last year, we were up. 11% in hardweed and 15% in soft red. We're not going to get that big of a delta. It's going to be plus or minus what it was last year. I, I think. Yeah. Within a couple percent. The bigger, the you know, we're, we're going to have ample supplies, it looks like, if we can't export the stuff. And the bigger question for Nate and Dave are, what are we going to do with corn and soybean acres? Wow. Well, well, I mean... I, the, the market's screaming for more bean acres right now. I think we had the, uh, now this is for this fall. I haven't looked at the bean corn ratio for new crop yet, but it got up to almost 2.9 at one point. For this, you're talking about for, next I'm year. talking about, yeah, no, I'm talking about the, the the ratio got to almost 2.9 for these corn, no beans this year. Right. Which, you know, going into planting cycle in Brazil, that that's that's a big number. I mean, it's not the highest right. ever, but it can't no, be too are, far away. There are some in the industry that will that will say, "Well, that ratio doesn't mean much." Um, and one of them sitting there, uh, one of them sitting here in his office <laughs> with a grin on his face. Well, and and I think I, I think when you when you talk to farmers, you know, and part of their their and I they'll they'll tend to agree with Bill a little bit in that. And I, Dave, we've heard it from our our buddy farmer Dave is that. Look, I can plant beans, and if I have a really good bean crop, I may I might get a two or three bushel bump in my bean crop. But if I plant corn and I have a really good corn crop, my my you know get benefit to the upside is 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 much higher. So maybe you know that's part of the reason there's a bit of a reluctance there. I think also too farmers will just tell you it's more fun to plant corn. But you got to think at some <laughs> point there's a, there's a price point in there where you're like, oh maybe you know. But it's not like a farmer's gonna gonna take and say I'm gonna swing. 15% of my acres, you know, it might be a 5% swing here. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a huge. Let, let me, let me refute my um, claim that that doesn't matter. Um, I'll refute myself. In 2013, we saw that ratio go from uh, somewhere around 2.4, 2.5 late in the summer. And by um, Thanksgiving dinner, it was at 3.1 and it stayed above, it stayed above three until, you know, we were well past planting. And that's in 20 early 2014 and early in 2013 was the draft. 2014 2014 we reduced corn acres by almost five million acres and we increased soybean acres by seven and a half six and a half million acres so we did do it in 2014 the ratio came in and there could have been other things in play in that year such as a, a wet spring that forced them into more soybeans. You know, there's a, other agronomic things, but that's about as big of a swing as you can get. And and that was, you know, partially propelled, I would say, by the by the ratio being wide. So the market is, but you guys still didn't answer my question. What are corn and soybean acres going to be next year? I think we're going to see an increase in soybean acres. I think we're going to, I mean, you yeah. know, we're we're sitting and and I don't think it's just the 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 futures price. I think when you look at, at cash prices in the country, you know these ethanol plants are not pushing for corn. It's not like they're sitting back saying I got to have corn. Um, I think farmers are sometimes more driven by what basis is doing than what they're 
than what uh, futures prices are doing. But um, I think we'll see more more soybean acres. I don't know. I'm not going to say a number, but I think we'll oh, see soybean acres. Come on, <laughs> 89.3 million acres of beans. Okay, I'll write it down. <laughs> print it. Not not an ink. If you got pencil, well, I got right in. I got it ink right here. <laughs> okay, so since sounds we're like a bet. About, since we're yeah. talking about beans, um, this morning we also like one and a half minutes before we got the numbers for the quarterly stocks report, we got USDA's crush numbers. Um, did you see those, Bill? I did not. Oh, put me on the spot. So I think if what I read was correct, and, and it, I, I'm putting myself in a bit of a hot seat here because I could have just been reading a headline. I thought it said that uh, oil stocks were down. Uh, yeah, I think they kind of confirmed the NOPA number from what you said. I think they were right around 1.8. Bill, I think that was your projection was right at 1.8 billion pounds of oil. Mm -hmm at the end of August based on the NOPA number. And that NOPA number was so damn low that I think a lot of people, there was the whole, hey, somebody made a mistake sort of uh, theory or rumor, if you will, out there. And, and uh, that's apparently not the case because that USDA number, unless they sent the same bad data into the USDA that they sent into NOPA, which I suppose is possible. But um, I don't know. That's a pretty low stocks number, but I did have somebody else tell me, and I go, this goes into the uh, theory of theorizing and prognosticating category, but that um, because of inventory builds, maybe at some oh, of these big on. renewable diesel plants starting up that we hold can on. the other way. Hold, hold on. The so what we got at 11 o'clock, see, even we are not right sometimes, was the, was the Reuters expected USDA crush number. Oh, the actual okay. number comes out on October second. See, we, yeah. we got confused because that popped up right before the quarterly stocks. Because oh, I said, "Holy oh, cow! Oh. If that's the number, that's well, a huge oil drawdown." You said, "You said we got confused." I, I you should well, probably. Well, Scott, I'm, I'm lumping you in with the group just because <laughs> we have the same person signing for paycheck. But we're on the um, phone with you. Yeah, <laughs> the expected the expected soy oil so, so soy oil stocks. Um, as of August 31st, we're estimated to have declined to 1.8 billion. So yeah. we'll have to wait till next week. So I apologize. Yeah, we will see what they say. That's going to be an interesting or, or later next yeah. week or later or later. Yes, because well, we might not have it next week. <laughs> that's right. If, we may if be the flying blind here if for the a government's bit. closed. We could lose um, the uh, NOPA or the USDA crush report or any USDA report for the most part. And the WASD. And the WASD, if if it's closed, we, you know, in 20, uh, I believe it was 2013, we just skipped it. Well, it, it looked like uh, from what I was looking on the news before I came in here, the Senate right now is spending more time talking about the loss of Dianne Feinstein than talking about uh, government funding and and keeping the uh, government alive. I guess. Yeah. We'll, when is the deadline? Is it this afternoon or when is it going? It's it's midnight uh, Saturday night into Sunday is what they said. Okay. Uh, well, right. Yeah. We got some time yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got plenty of time. It's kind of like when you have that college paper due, right? It's like oh, I got another four hours. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go that. to the bar. Give me another beer. <laughs> All right, you guys, uh, anything else, I guess, to kind of wrap this up? I, I think uh, my wrap up and then I'll turn it, kick it to you guys was um, outside of the wheat, which I don't care about for obvious reasons. I would listen to you talk. I think maybe a reason I don't care about wheat is it's too complicated. Beans are bean and corn are corn, but there's all these different kinds of wheats and 
Uh, you guys can deal with that. But I think for me, at least on the corn, on the stock side of it, the, the big takeaway here is, you know, the market has got risk premium built in for what if we find out we don't have as much? And I think this, again, the September WASD crops about what we thought it was. Why was it bearish? Well, because we didn't get a 48.6 bushel an acre number. We got 50.1. Okay, bullet dodged. Are we going to dodge a bullet here on the stocks report? Yes. We have as, at least as many beans, actually a few more beans than we thought. You know, 25 million bushels of beans is not that big a mess. But the reality is, is when you're standing on the edge of the precipice, or you're forecast to be standing on the edge of the precipice, any little bit in the right direction helps, and some of that risk premium bleeds out. And that's why I think, you know, I get a customer ask me, well, wasn't that far away? How did you get this big a negative reaction in the bean market? It's because we didn't fall off the cliff for another report. So. Um, I guess for, for me and my side on the wheat side of things, uh, you, you, you had really not much to, to talk about uh, on the stock side of things. It was everybody was waiting for the final uh, crop numbers. And that was uh, honestly a little bit higher than expected. Um, so I think it goes on top of everything that we've seen this week. Ukraine won some business to Egypt for the first time, and I can't tell you when. Uh, they beat uh, Russia. Russia has a bigger crop. We obviously had a bigger crop. Uh, Canada likely is going to have a, a little bit of a bigger crop. And we're at three-year lows. You know, um, the, the, I think the market is tired of, of – uh, they're tired of the Black Sea, and they're tired of, of – I, I suppose you could say that they're tired of, of being a little bit uh, too high, too wrong. And yeah, so I, this, this to me gives the marketplace uh, a, a bit of cover to say, all right, we can go down another five um, percent uh, from here, maybe ten percent. Again, depending on what corn does, um, it's kind of got the cover to do that now. Uh, they're still not competitive in the world. Uh, we're still not exporting anything, so. Bill, um, comments on anything? Watch. I don't know whether the trade guesses for the next crop report for corn and soybeans will be higher or lower, but watch for a narrow trade range where they bunch them together. Um, because whether you believe it or not, um, the people making these guesses, such as including myself from time to time, are not always clairvoyant on what the crop is. And we're yeah. just um, swagging it. And so if those guesses are narrow in, look for a surprise either to the high side or the low side. Oh, that's interesting. Just on corn and beans? I mean, well, do we I'm not? talking about corn, corn crop and soybean crop. Yeah. Yeah. Nate, you got any final comments? Wish no, I'd be eating in Minnesota so you can get out and harvest those beans. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't even know if we have a soybean crop up here yet because it keeps raining all the time. We can't uh, can't get any harvested. No, I think I think to your point, the market maybe was a little bit concerned that we would get a smaller so soybean number. Oh, that's always a risk and getting a surprise that way. So I think that was maybe part of the price reaction. I think as we look ahead here, one of the things we hear a lot of our customers talking about is is, you know, as we hear about all these new crush plants coming online, there's always this concern about, well, are they going to have enough soybeans to crush? And I think we've seen that the market has a way to solve for this, whether it's through reduced exports or whatever. But um, 
we're going to start seeing now, I think, the, the first real effects of this additional crush with that ADM plant and Spiritwood coming online next week, and then some some additional crush coming online into, into next year, uh, kind of what that's going to do to some of these soybean flows, uh, and also to meal. I mean, um, we're going to have to export more soybean meal, and and what does that look like, and, and how does that impact the market? Because obviously it's going to have an impact on soy crush margins, and, and and how does all that play out? So I think that's the biggest thing from the oil side of things that I think a lot of our customers are, are looking at. Obviously, this new crush coming online is, is viewed as being beneficial from an oil supply standpoint, but how does all this play out as we move into next year? So, yeah, first thing is we got to have beans to crush. Yeah. So that's bean market will be watched closely as will the South American growing season because we're kind of living on the edge. And as I've told you guys before, the way this market kind of looks to me is for a lot of like corn market, bean market, wheat market for slightly different reasons. But we've been kind of living on the edge for the last two or three years. These have been a couple of the most volatile years in commodity prices ever. I think soybean oil last year was the highest ever recorded soybean oil futures. And we've been living on the edge from a supply standpoint. And I think the market today feels to me like, okay, we fixed the corn problem. At least till Mother Nature throws us another curveball. We're going to have plenty of corn in the U.S. Seemed like we fixed the wheat problem, not necessarily on paper. We've talked many times about the wheat market doesn't feel as tight as it looks like it should be on paper. Right. And I think we're maybe one more crop cycle from kind of doing the same thing with beans. But we got to make a crop in South America. Bill, what was it? Wasn't it 31 million metric tons of extra bean production the USDA is calling for this year in, in uh, South America? 30 million, 1.1 billion bushels. That's a that's a lot of beans, but we got to make it. I mean, we're just barely starting to plant the crop. We got to make it. So I think the risk, the market, because we're so tight on beans, has got risk premium built in for anything that can possibly go wrong. And I think when we didn't go, nothing went wrong in the September WASD, we gave some of that back. I think when something didn't go wrong on this stocks report, we gave something back. But we've still got this great big South American growing season. Really, the weather for the next four months down there is probably the biggest risk you got in a lot of these markets, I think. So, can can I ask Nate and Dave a question? Are soybean meal futures below four hundred dollars? They, they are currently. If if we lose a bushel per acre on the soybean crop, will they still be below four hundred dollars soybean meal? Well, I I think so. I mean, you're trying to expose me here, but that's probably the thing that I'm the most bearish right now. But <laughs> I I desperately want to be bearish, but uh, I'm. I mean, we've nervous. we've heard of we've heard of processors selling clock meal out forward at you know forty to forty five under. Just because they're like, well, if somebody actually wants to buy this stuff, we'll we'll sell it. And and you know, much. I mean, what did you say, Bill? We have to export how much more meal this year with the additional crush coming online? Twenty percent, about fifteen percent, two million tons. Actually, it's about twenty percent on the last deck you sent out, and that was you, you stole my thunder there, Nate. I was going to say a wise man once told me that we're going to have to have meal exports go up twenty percent if we're going to if if this crush is right. So. Well, and, and got I don't into think a, that happens at 400 bucks. Got into a discussion <laughs> on a couple of our calls this week where we started talking about oil share. And and there's some folks that are actually pretty, pretty bearish oil share just because of the some of the 
the belief on some of this renewable fuels, you know, demand and 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 we can get off into a whole other ditch and whether or not we're overproducing the mandate and what what all that means. But I got to think with with the amount of meal we have to export and what meal prices are going to have to do in order for that to happen, something's going to have to carry that that margin, right? Because the processor is not just going to crush just uh, for the hell of it. They're going to need some margin there for it. So be oil is going to have to probably step up and carry that is my belief, but I could be wrong. I think if I'm listening right, though, Bill, what you're suggesting here is that, you know, do do we have, you know, we thought we dodged the bullet with the September WASD, but your comment is it's it's a lot harder to estimate what's standing out in the field than it is what's in the bin. And mm-hmm. if I'm listening to you correctly, you're, su- you're suggesting that, you know, maybe we're not out of the crop yet on this bean crop in the U.S. Maybe uh, maybe we do have a little bit of a bullish surprise yet to get through. That tells me the October WASD, which we may not get. Um, could be really, really important. Yeah, yeah. If I was cocksure about it, I'd say, well, it's bullish and um, the crop's going down, but I just don't know what we're going to end up with. I, I think it's a shortage of beans early and a lot of beans later, shortage of meal early, a lot of meal later, maybe will be the scenario. And it's so damn hard to, to really get a beat on it because this was a really screwball August. Yeah. You know, beans are made in August. Mm-hmm. Wiseman told me that too. Um, and we had a beautiful first half of August and a horrifically bad that last half of August. So how does that work itself out? So we'll find out. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. If the government stays open, if not, I guess we'll still find out. It just might be later. So how does that yeah. work, Bill? If, if we don't get an October WASD, will they just give us all that data in November or will they just skip it? Yeah, there's um, two. Th- good question. I don't mean to belabor with. Uh, minutia, but um, we'll get last time they just skipped it and we didn't get any data WASDE wise. There's other things like slaughter reports and pricing that are mandatory and, and go on. But one thing you end up with is no weekly export data. And then um, I think they give it all to you at once. So at some point, they'll give us about whatever, however many weeks it is. They might give us four weeks of export data all in one Thursday and then say here you figure out what happened. Yeah. You get you get it then you gotta then kind of true up your checkbook balance to see if you got any money left, right? Yes. <clears throat> all right. All right. Well I think that about does it. Hope you uh, hope this was helpful to you. Um and we will see you next time we have one of these. All right. Cheers.